Yeah, I don't think you can look at any other team's performance in the out of conference schedule and say it's been better than what Incarnate Word's done. Maybe, maybe some. Welcome to the official podcast of FCS Fans Nation with your hosts, Kyler Neal, Matthew Frazee, and Jamie Williams. FCS Fans Nation. Now, if you thought that this last week was the true chaotic, crazy uh, show of things to come, just wait until the slate of games that are coming up this Saturday. Welcome to the FCS Fans Nation podcast. As if we didn't have enough chaotic craziness, we have more on the horizon Jamie Williams, Kyler Neal, Matt Frazee, as always, coming through your radio, your YouTube screen, likely your phone speakers. We are excited to talk some FCS football because we have an amazing slate of questions from our fans tonight. And uh, we are excited to break some things down. A weird week for myself, coming off an NDSU loss, kind of a douchey comment, but honestly, maybe a little foreign territory for the herd. Uh, but as I've learned from amazing folks, whether it's Jamie or Kyler or others, you got to be gracious in a loss. Uh, don't be a douchebag. So I'm going to be that same way and be a nice person. So uh, how'd you feel about that whole scenario there, Jamie? You had a bye week for your Sun Belt Dukes. So you had a little time to take in some more FCS football that I know you already taken a ton. Uh, what was your relaxing weekend like? And Bills free as well, right? No, bu- no Buffalo Bills games, nothing. Yeah, not till tomorrow night. So yeah, I, was, I paid a lot of attention. I was bouncing back and forth, game to game, trying to put my eyes on, especially as many of those top twenty-five to thirty teams as I, I could. So got a lot of time to check out a lot of teams. Um, couldn't watch Idaho for about other than for about fifteen seconds because the colors on the feed was awful. Uh, kind of like watching a Western Illinois game. But you know what can you do? Um, good, some good games, some interesting, interesting finishes, some shocks. You know, everything you come to expect from an FCS weekend. And then, ooh, Nelly, let's get ready for this one. Yeah, I think I'm using the word chaos too much every single week, but I don't know what else I'm supposed to do because things keep going crazy. Um, speaking of a crazy fun FCS weekend, Kyler, we don't really have a question within this realm. Maybe a little bit when it comes to UIW. Talked about them a lot last week the Cardinals, you actually got an in-person experience of uh, Incarnate Word. Tell us a little bit about that, my man, and beautiful t-shirt. If you're not watching on YouTube, you're missing some sick it's gear. It's beautiful. Rocking. Well, how did that thing go for you, dude? Man, that was, for one, I got to give props to just Prairie View's facilities. Their stadium is gorgeous. I mean, it, it is a fantastic stadium to watch a football game. I wish it was a little more full. Right. It'd be nice if that whole thing was packed, um, especially because you're having an in-state other institution who's top 10 in the nation, you know, right around there coming in. I would have liked to see it a little more full, but maybe they thought it was going to be a blowout. Maybe that's why. But um, overall, Incarnate Word's a real deal. They sat. If you just look at the score and didn't watch the game, you're like super close game. Right. I think they won by 16 or something like that. I don't remember. But they sat all of their starters like at the end of the third. All of them, defensive, offensive, 
everything. And then that's when Prairie View started coming back a little bit. And then they put in their starters for like one drive just to kind of seal the deal, just take time off the clock. And that was it. So um, Cardinal Word's a real deal. The 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 Trumulative guys I was with, they're awesome. Um, but yeah, they're that's a fun team. They're big. When they were just on the sidelines, right? When I, I went like this, oh, they're not very big. That's a pretty small team. And then you see them actually on the field lining up against Prairie View and you go, Oh, that, that team's actually huge. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, we're, we're a lot bigger than what we used to be. I mean, their quarterbacks, like there's uh, not, not um, Lindsey Scott. He's really short, but you know, pretty muscular, but their backup quarterback who got a good amount of playing time in this game. He's like six, five, two sixty. I mean, or maybe six, six. He's, he's right up there with the top of the linemen and the linemen are still quite a bit larger than him. Um, yeah, that's a, a fun team, a complete team. Definitely different than the Incarnate Word team we've seen the last few years where it's all offense, no defense. This team gets to the ball. They play physical. They're big. They're fast. Whatever they're doing, they're doing it correctly. Interesting. Well, uh, I got some further questions into that. We'll have a few uh, moments to dive into them. Yeah, I just want to ask one more thing. What about seeing an HBCU band? Stop it. <laughs> Stop <laughs> it. Um, here's the deal. My, my tone may be changing a little bit. But I'm also going to throw digs because I can. Um, all right. Halftime performance. Pretty sweet. A li little different <laughs> going to an HBCU game. Because, you know, I've seen Jacksonville State's band play on TV when we were playing them and stuff like that. And all they do is they stand there. They try and look pretty and play. Nope. I saw twerking on the 50-yard line. I saw people, <laughs> you know, using instruments in a very not PG way. Um don't do a performance or don't do a performance. If you're a band, I don't care about your band. Don't do a performance. But if you do a show like Prairie View, like the rest of the HBCUs, all right, I'll change my tune. That was awesome. That was super cool. I wish every program did that because yeah, I don't care about listening to your band, but when you actually make it a performance, you're, you're humping the floor, you're dancing, you're having a good time. <laughs> you're playing actually still really well on top of all that and moving around. Phenomenal. And Missed the crowd it. was going crazy too, which was kind of fun. But um, yeah, HBCU bands, you're awesome. Jacksonville State, do more of that. Dude, this is a uh, for all the fans of the podcast who've listened for five, six years now. Uh, this is a moment in history. As yeah. Kyler has always said, I don't care about the bands. I don't care about your band. Band is boring. You might as well throw on your you know, Apple Music or something because the band's a waste of time. So this is a pretty big confession. So Preston Adams but, and others out there, they're going to be very happy to hear this. What I will say is when they were just playing on the sideline, don't care, right? They're playing in the game, don't care. But you got to make a show out of it. Make, a, make an actual show out of it. And that's what they did at halftime. And yeah, it's the, the first halftime where a band has played that I didn't leave. So pretty impressive. Very impressive. Well, that is some big news for Kyler. And uh, we, of course, have some big topics to get to. You all know where this is going. Let's kick off the main questions with the Big 7. The top seven FCS topics of the week. This is the Big 7. Ooh, everything kind of flows real well tonight, boys. And we're going to start that flow out with our good friend, admin of the page, Up North Podcast contributor in many big sky ways chris hammond talks to, or kicks it off tonight can't even speak because i'm so impressed by him 
He wants a simple question answered. He said, who performed the best in their out-of-conference schedule? All right, we have come to the day where playing across countries and Big Sky Valley challenges are over, and it's time to get into the slate of conference play. So when you kind of look around the nation a little bit, Kyler, we've had some impressive teams in the Big Sky, CA, SoCon, impressive, obviously, UIW. I mean, this might be tough to pick, but who are you most impressed by with their out-of-conference play? I have to just be a homer and pick Incarnate Word right now. Uh, I mean, I thought their out-of-conference was much more difficult than the rest of their schedule. They do have a really tough game this week that we'll probably cover at the end of this. But they're off at a conference. They were supposed to lose two of the three games. They're sitting undefeated and dominant performances. They have not struggled in any game. Dominate Nevada, dominate Southeastern or you know, Southern Illinois, and then dominate Prairie View. Prairie View was the weakest out of the three, and they should have dominated them. But the fact that they not just won against the other two, but just absolutely crushed them. Yeah, I don't think you can look at any other team's performance in the out-of-conference schedule and say it's been better than what Incarnate Word's done. Maybe, maybe some of the other ones have been a little bit more difficult. I, I don't even know if you could say that. Um, they have one of the more difficult out-of-conference schedules, and they have looked better than they have ever looked. So, yeah, give me the homer pick because I'm rocking my Incarnate Word gear. Uh, they Phenomenal. Phenomenal. That's all I can say about them. All about Incarnate Word tonight, and well-deserved, I mean, lack of faith for these guys when this preseason started. JB, have any comparables there, or is is it just the Cardinals? Are they the best team right now, looking I mean, at out of conference? Yeah, oh, for sure. Right now, I mean, it answers Incarnate Word, but, you know, I can highlight a couple other teams. Uh, obviously, William & Mary did what, what they've done, and I know they played a Patriot League team this past week, but then they went and handled them. But they've got an FBS win, and they've, they've kind of shown what they can do. And another one, just kind of a little bit off off the beaten path, I'll give a little credit to is uh, Semo Southeast Missouri State. Just, I mean, I know they lost to Iowa State, but they beat Southern Illinois. So, you know, that's a big rivalry game. Um, last second win, and then they handled Nichols, who people think might have a shot at the Southland, even though Incarnate Words there, so they don't. But the way that Semo has performed early, uh, kind of gives that fan base some hope that they can compete uh, in the OVC and give UT Martin a, a battle for the bid. That's I like your, your verbiage there when you talk about hope, because the team that I was looking at that really, I, I it's not a world beater. When you look at who they beat, it's not like the overly crazy, impressive uh, resume, but I was looking at Austin P and just at least for them to be on the radar, you know, that's kind of what I feel like with SEMO. You know, this is a team that's not even remotely on the radar in terms of, okay, could they be a playoff team? Could they be a fun one to see if they could get over 500? And now they suddenly are. And Austin P. they had an FBS loss to start, losing to Western Kentucky only by 11 points. But, you know, their next three wins were huge. Uh, they beat Alabama A&M yesterday, 28-3, but then they destroyed Mississippi Valley and Presbyterian. Not quality opponents, but they're 3-1. and one. They're looking good in the A-Sun, and we'll see what the conference schedule bit brings. You know, if you have that good record of a couple wins and just one loss, especially to an FBS, you're setting yourself up to at least probably be pretty competitive when it comes to conference play. And so I don't mind that at all. Then here's one that I think we just need a shout out, and it's the Blue Bloods. If you guys haven't listened to Blue Blood show, I think he does one of the best shows, and it's a live show two to three times a week. Go check him out. But he's been really high all off season on North Carolina Central. And, oh yeah, great and pick. I was like, I wonder why he's so high on them 
out of the MEAC. And all of a sudden, you look at what they've done. They're 3-0. Sure, they played a D2 or lower team. But then the other ones, they just crushed New Hampshire. And, you know, all of us, we know New Hampshire. Um, being a part of the big three, being a part of the FCS powerhouses. They've been down recent years, but they started working their way up, and everyone was thinking maybe New Hampshire is potentially back. They crushed them. They crushed NCANT, right? Right now they're 3-0. and They look like the best team in the MEAC. They get to play Campbell in a few weeks, um, and then, you know, South Carolina State just, just I think, the next week after or something like that, or maybe two weeks. But um, right now I put them in my top 25 after that New Hampshire win, just because they dominated New Hampshire. It, I mean, it was pretty impressive. And it was at New Hampshire, right? Um, they won 45 to, I don't remember, 24, 22, 25? 45, 27. 27. Okay, yeah, 27. Dominated. And it's at New Hampshire. That's a tough place to travel to. It's a tough yep. stadium. They're spooky good. And they're a historic power out of the CA. And I don't think anyone was really picking them outside of the Blue Bloods and maybe some MEAC fans to go toe-to-toe with uh, New Hampshire and, and definitely not blow them out of the water. And, yeah, so I got to give a little bit of props to them yeah. just because I don't think we've ever even talked about them on our podcast. Yeah, that's solid. I mean, you're right about the, the home field advantage. I know it's kind of a quiet crowd, but, Jamie, you struggled up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you remember 2018, Danucci was horrible. Yeah. So, yeah, big, big, good good call, Kyler. That's That's an awesome one. Um, yeah, lots of good teams that have had solid starts of the year. I like how we all pick teams that we've never really talked about until this year. Yeah. <laughs> I like we've, got, we've got a question on this podcast about parody at some point. So, hey, yeah. that, that might line up pretty well. They go to Campbell on October 1st and October okay. 22nd. They head to South Carolina State. Perfect. Looking across their schedule, those are probably going to be the two um, road games and overall games that could really define their season. So, yeah. Hopefully they keep playing well, and that ends a very, very good out-of-conference slate for a lot of these teams. Uh, speaking of out-of-conference, one of the biggest talked-about ones would be <laughs> those NDSU Bison finally going down to the FBS. First time since all the way past back to 2009, if you can believe it. A six-game winning streak against the FBS comes to an end, losing to Arizona by three points. Um, Scott has a simple question. He says, what if everyone loved their team as much as they love watching NDSU lose a game? Boy, Scott, you would be living in paradise there. Now, to be fair, NDSU has kind of earned that. You know, anytime Alabama loses or Patriots when they had Tom Brady, it was a celebration that's just going to come with the territory. Um, but your overall thoughts, guys, um, honestly, I haven't thought that the social media reaction and things like that has been too bad. I mean, Mm -hmm. I mean, Power 5 versus FCS. Now, NDSU is held to a much higher standard. Um, my quick takeaway was it was a really fun game. I really enjoyed watching it. I love to see NDSU have so many fans at a Power 5 stadium. For us to be able to actually travel and go to FBS games, you're not going to win them all, but it's fun to actually compete in these games. Um, I thought NDSU uncharacteristically uh, made a lot of mistakes, You know, a lot of penalties, false starts. Um, a, a lot of one of the most interesting things that nobody's talking about is that NDSU was just rolling over this team in the third quarter. Like they were just doing power a gap football and just bam, bam, bam. And a lot of credit to the Wildcats come fourth quarter, that defensive line. Most people assume NDSU has worn them down and they'd be dead. They, they, they were stout. And in the fourth quarter, they were like, okay, if you think you're going to run, they clearly prepared for NDSU. You're not going to just run all over us in the fourth. And, uh, that kind of threw things off. So there's always been a lot of bison magic. Like 
there's been something in a game. My buddy Nate Anderson, who's a Gophers fan, calls it the Bison Horseshoe. And on fourth and two to try to close the game there and a few other outlier plays, there just wasn't that Bison magic. And you know what? I know you guys got a lot more uh, information on this game. Kyler, some good insight here. But um, I just want everybody who I might be out there saying, oh, NDSU's done or Dynasty's dead. I mean, <laughs> it's a ridiculous thing. I haven't honestly seen much of it. Yeah, We all know nobody on God's green earth wants to play NDSU in the playoffs this year. Uh, that's not something anybody wants to see. But Kyler, you kind of called this in terms of uh, Pac-12 opponents and the West Coast and differences in styles. But what's your takeaway from NDSU overall, especially with you just dropping your top 25 poll? And what do you think about like that matchup and, and about NDSU now? So I still thought NDSU was going to win, but I thought it was going to be a, a pretty competitive game. I said, you know, if, if Arizona is a seven or a three favorite, I'd probably bet on NDSU. I actually avoided the betting on this game because when when it came to the morning, I was like, eh, I don't know. Um, but outside of a few mistakes, I thought NDSU actually looked really good. Now, for this question specifically, I love watching NDSU lose, especially these types of games, because it puts those idiot fan bases in who thinks they can, you know, control the Big Ten, control the Pac-12. I'm like, no. Stick to the max, stick to the Mountain West. Those are your only two conversations. Leave the big boys out of it. Um, there's not enough resources for NDSU to jump up and think that they can, you know, be be that competitive. You would lose all your advantages. But um, no, the, the difference is this is the first time NDSU has played a West Coast style offense that's not Eastern Washington, right? Um, and it, they're playing a much more talented roster than Eastern Washington. All of the Big 12, Big 10 opponents they have seen, they haven't seen an Ohio State who can sling the ball around. They're they're going against teams that play a very similar style to NDSU typically. It's who can control the line of scrimmage, who can run down each other's throats. Well, NDSU is up there with the top-tier teams on doing that. Iowa, that's what they do. We saw their offense is really bad, right? But they can run it down your throat. Well, NDSU could probably do that a little bit better. Um, now they're playing against a team like I said, who can throw the ball, who can sling it, who can spread the field. That's a West Coast style offense. And NDSU just hasn't seen many of those teams, especially none of their players have seen any FBS team. So it's a little different, right? That's the first time anyone in that program who is playing football has ever seen an FBS team. So, I mean, there's there's a little bit of differences involved there. But overall, I thought they played pretty good. You can't, you can't expect to win every single game. If you're playing a, a P5 team and, and anyone who's expecting that probably should stop. Um, this was a, a little bit of a reality check, but overall I didn't drop NDSU down. I can't even believe there's Twitter um, ramblings about what are you going to do with NDSU? They just lost a really close game to Arizona. Who cares? <laughs> right. They played really good for the most part outside of a couple of mistakes. Hunter Hunter was a, a man among boys in that game. Um, I mean, just think what he's going to do to the rest of the FCS this year. He only looks more impressive. But no, I thought it was a really fun game. NDSU fans, hold your head high. You played a competitive game once again with an FBS team. A couple things didn't go your way, but overall, man, it was a fun game. It was solid. And I'm very happy you lost. <laughs> Rightfully <laughs> so. You have, Other people should be cheering against NDSU. And if NDSU, you know, they, they kind of always have a reset after a loss and they kind of fix and tweak some things. And honestly, this is for once the best way for it to happen. Like a loss to the FPS is not going to dig you as much as mm -mm. some other loss throughout the season. And the way I Didn't look at them at all, no, the way I look at their schedule, 
outside of SDSU coming to Fargo. Um, I, I don't see them having some sort of trouble or trip up, uh, even at teams that are pretty good like SIU and others. So we'll have to see. Jamie, some final thoughts on the herd there as you uh, obviously have more FBS experience than any of us here on this podcast. Um, yeah, I think it's just the general arrogance that, oh, we're easily going to go in there and win. They were 1-11 last year um, of a chunk of the fan base. I won't even say a large chunk, but a chunk. And mm-hmm. But I guess that's also earned because that's what they've done to people. And I think part of the rumbling of, oh, what do you do with NDSU is because they were a favorite and they lost. And so some people look at it, and I, I thought about it for a minute. I was like, do I drop them for Montana? No, I'm not going to. Uh, newsflash, NDSU is going to be number one on my ballot. <laughs> um, but, yeah, just to go in there and compete with a Power 5 team, like Kyler said, with a different style of offense than what they're used to, uh, and to hold close and – only lose by three, that, that's not anything to hang your head at. Mm. Um, if I were Scott, I'd hang my head at the fact that people have pictures of him in a, a North Dakota hockey jersey. Yeah, <laughs> I was waiting for something to come there. But other than that, North for Dakota. For charity, State, Scott, for that's charity. Right, it was for charity. You know, but other than that, I mean, yeah, I, there's, what, nine games left for NDSU. I, I think people will find out that th- there's a reason they only lost to a Power 5 team by three. And here's the really annoying thing. NDSU fans can still say this. Well, in 11 years, the worst game we've ever had against a, an FBS Power 5 opponent, we lost really close to three points. No other FCS team can say that. Not one. Not one other program can say our worst game, we barely we barely got out of there with a loss. Right? That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's you got to see the bigger picture if you're an NDSU fan. And yep, everybody's happy we are we and the NDSU lost. It is what it is. Comes with the territory, guys. All right, let's move away from the Bison a little bit and move into two combo questions here from Matt Bernhardt and Yoshi Marillo. Great questions here. Uh, SLU demolish CCSU. Are they going to win the Southland? And on top of that, Yoshi says, is the SLU incarnate word game basically a conference championship so here we go guys we are right off the bat kicking into conference play going to figure out what is going to happen with the southland and jamie what is your gut telling you when you look into this matchup and the possibility of how this has impacts towards the end of a conference slate i definitely think that the winner of the slu incarnate word game does wind up winning the southland but i also think despite the fact that i believe the game is in hammond america uh, that Incarnate Word's still going to win that game by two-plus scores. Now I get Matt, uh, and this is a cool thing about our page, Matt was down in Hammond and uh, went to the game with Danny, I believe. So that's yeah, cool. another awesome thing about our page. You know, Kyler meeting up with some some folks, and, you know, Matt, who's a Montana State fan, going down to southeastern Louisiana to watch a game. That's what we're here for. That's what FCS Fans Nation is. And it's awesome, and I love it. Amos and the and the folks yeah. from A and T going up to to Fargo, so that's just keep doing that, folks. Keep meeting the people. You it, you can't go wrong. It's 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 wonderful. It's great to see. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, SLU demolishing Central Connecticut. So what? They're supposed to. They were yeah. supposed to. That, but yeah, when Incarnate Word and SLU play, I think you'll see that this year Incarnate Word is on just a little bit different level. Like SLU was, 
a couple years ago with Cole Kelly because Incarnate Word actually beat him last year. So, um, yeah, I'm going to say Incarnate Word easily wins the Southland um, by going through SLU. Well, even when you look at the standings, if you're watching on YouTube, we've got them pulled up here. Um, I guess I didn't realize the shock and awe of what's below Incarnate Word. Really, it's southeastern Louisiana. you got to kind of look at them as the team that could do it, could beat them. But then, of course, are they going to trip up again throughout the conference play? Because look at the current standings. You know, Northwestern State, Nichols, McNeese, Lamar, they're all 0-3. And we've seen teams with bad out-of-conference play still win conferences. But what are the odds right now they're better than Incarnate Word, who looks amazing? Texas A&M Commerce is brand new to it. HBU is 1-1. One one. Not supposed to be that great of a squad this year. Coach should be on the hot seat. We've talked about that. I'm not seeing a lot of scenario here where Incarnate Word doesn't already look like they're in the driver's seat. And I know Kyler's pumping his chest on them, rightfully so, seeing them in person and how good they are. But, boy, if Southeastern Louisiana cannot beat them, I don't think there's a chance Incarnate Word uh, loses the conference. So we sound like we're an Incarnate Word podcast, which is fine. I'm going to expand on this a little bit. Are we already talking top four seed if they run the table? Pretty easily, right? I mean, not even a debate, Kyler, or what? FBS win, Missouri Valley win, who just had an FBS win. And then if if they beat, you know, Southeastern Louisiana, that's a top 25 win or at least real closer. I don't remember if, if SLU is still in the top 25 or just outside of it. Um, but I mean, yeah, if they run the table, how do you not give them a top four seed? I mean, they have a D2 game on there because of the whole leaving the, the whack going back to the Southland screwing up kind of schedules. Um, they probably should have tried to figure out a way to get Sam Houston on there. Cause Sam Houston only has nine games. Um, so maybe that one D2 game hurts them, but at the end of the day, you can still be 10 and 0 with an FBS win, a top 10, uh, Missouri Valley win, and then a top 25 other, what other resumes are going to look like that? Probably not many in the FCS. Um, but yeah, to answer kind of his question, they did demolish central Connecticut. The only difference is with SLU, I still don't know what to expect out of them. They played a really weird schedule where they didn't look very good against two FBS teams. And then they played a really bad central Connecticut team and they just mollywopped them. Where incarnate word, they've, They've kind of done the opposite. They've proved everything by playing really tough programs. Um, but what they've done to some of these tough programs is kind of what Southeastern Louisiana just did to Central Connecticut. Here's here's kind of the keys to the game, because I do think this is going to be a fun one. Um, is it Cyphus? Cephas? I'm butchering his name. The quarterback from Southeastern Louisiana. He hasn't looked the best this season definitely it looks like a drop off from cole kelly i mean he only has like two passing touchdowns one interception this whole year but again even, even if he looked good he's a drop off from cole kelly even if he looked amazing he's still yeah. a drop off from cole kelly but um it's hard to gauge him just because of the schedule that they've had they've lost the games they should they crushed the games that they should we're incarnate word i mean i i really thought there'd be a drop off from cameron ward right we all thought that not at all. Um, Lindsey Scott already has 13 touchdowns, 1,100 yards, just about, and only one interception. It's, yeah, it's going to be fun, but I think you definitely, after this game, you can't just say, oh, Southeastern Louisiana is the front runner for the Southland. I think you just got to give it to Incarnate Word until they're defeated right now. They've kind of earned that respect nationwide. They've earned that respect in the Southland for starting off a season. No one's looked better. 
Okay, I swear we won't talk about Incarnate Word the whole podcast. But you, you know what? At the same time, we've talked about James Madison, NDSU, and the Montanas so much over the years. Good good for us for having a new yeah. uh, team to, to pound here. Kyler, 30 seconds is all you get. Are you feeling vibes of Incarnate Word like 2018 Eastern Washington in terms of both sides of the ball and how they're built? You got 30 seconds. Ooh, that's actually a good comparison. Um, I think they're actually a little bit bigger than what we were, um, but we probably had a little bit better skilled positions on the outside. But yeah, I mean, they kind of have that. The only difference is they're not going to be tested the majority of the second half of their season, or at least Eastern Washington at the end of their season, they were tested and probably battle prepped. It could be a issue with Incarnate Word pending the second half of their schedule. If it's really soft, they may lay a dud in the postseason. We'll have to see. Very interesting. I just remember the way you talked in 2018, and it sounds a little similar. Yeah, it does. Glad we are already talking about conference uh, competition, though, because Joshua Hoffman, SDSU fan, awesome fan on the page, wants to know what conference will be the most competitive for its auto bid. This one is really intriguing because I was ripping through a couple of them, including, of course, non-power threes. And I think I have my answer pretty firm. I'll see if one of you two come up with it. But I was really torn between the SOCON and the CAA. Those two were really ripping me apart. Um, Jamie, are one of those your two, or is one of those two yours for this answer? Or are you going on an outlier here? Uh, they might have both been. But uh, I'll just stick with the one that I, I came from just for fun. Um, say, you know, looking at the CAA, there's still a lot of. A lot of teams there that, that look like they could uh, get some things done. Um, New Hampshire started 2-0 and in conference, so you think, oh, it's a great start, and it is in conference. But then they go and get popped by North Carolina Central. So maybe Central is going to be a really good team, and that's going to wind up as a good loss. Uh, Delaware. Uh, I know I said Richmond was going to win that conference at the beginning of the year. I I'd be a little uh, silly to not acknowledge what Delaware's done so far. Um in-state rival, FBS win, and just beat another ranked team in conference um, in Rhode Island. So I think Delaware's established themselves probably as the front runner. Then you've got Villanova, Richmond, William and Mary. You know that just going down the line. I don't, I don't see where this is decided before the last week of the season, and you're going to have four or five teams fighting for it all year. Um, Obviously, you got some teams that are are, are kind of bad at the bottom, but overall, the top of the CAA looks like it's rebounded and, and is strong. So it's going to go down to the wire. So I, I think that's going to be very competitive, and uh, Delaware is off and running. Yeah, Delaware looks really, really good. And that's where I was kind of torn because what you mentioned, Jamie, of kind of that top part and then like the bottom. I mean, it's not like you're looking at a national title contender and like two other teams that are like right there with them. That's kind of how you describe the Valley. You're probably got your Missouri state SDSU NDSU, but the CAA could just be a bunch of win loss chaos that causes just destruction in there. And that's how I viewed the SOCON as well. I'm going to pull them up on the screen here, but I was looking at the SOCON and I'm like, man, these are some all teams I could see being in the playoffs or at least within the race. And, you know, Chattanooga started off really strong at three and O Furman, Mercer, Sanford, all two and one Sanford has been a little bit of a surprise for us. And uh, that right there with those four teams, I think you could just see them eat each other alive a little bit. 
and who's actually going to land in some sort of tiebreaker scenario makes me believe the SoCon, similar to last year where we thought they could get an extra playoff team in the field. I think that's where I kind of land for the most competitive one. But I love that you mentioned the CAA, Jamie, because that was really my debate. Um, Kyler, any outliers here, or do you see it the same way? Um, no, I don't see it the same way, because I, I do think you're going to see one team in each of those start to actually roll through. I think Delaware looks the, by far the best in the CA right now, and I, I don't think they're going to struggle much. So my two that I'm going to do, because these are the only chances to even get in the playoffs. You got the Big South and the NEC. Right now, the Big South is 2-15 and 15 or something like that overall. They look awful. Campbell does not look good. I'm sorry, people. They don't look good. But here's the difference. Gardner-Webb has looked just as good to okay bad as, as Campbell. Um, they went toe-to-toe with Coastal. They went toe-to-toe with Coastal. This is Gardner-Webb. Bad program. They went toe-to-toe with Elon. Campbell just had their one CAA game, and they got absolutely murdered. So if we're looking at this, that might be a battle. Whoever wins that game is probably going to win. Um, but then you look at the NAC. Right now, the leader is Stonehill, who's probably not even eligible to make the playoffs because of that transitional period. I, I don't know for sure with Stonehill, but I mean, when you look at the rest of that conference in the NEC, you could probably pick out five different teams that could potentially win it all just because none of them are light years better than others. I mean, Merrimack just actually went toe-to-toe with Harvard. Um, Duquesne, they've been good in the past. LIU has looked decent in actual some games in their losses. But then you look at Sacred Heart, St. Francis, Stonehill, Merrimack. Who's If you had a bet on any conference... Are you betting on any one of these teams to get the auto bid compared to every other conference? Probably not. CA, no. you're probably betting on Delaware, right? It's a safe bet. Big Sky, you're probably betting on Montana. Big South, you're still probably betting on Campbell if you had to. Missouri Valley, you're betting on uh, North Dakota State. There's a lot of betters. Um, SoCon, really good. We don't know. Is it going to be Mercer? Is it going to be Sanford Furman? That's, that's a legit one. But, I mean, as of this one, who are you betting on to win the conference? I have no clue. Yeah, just a bunch of mumbled chaos. And you mentioned that a lot of them have bad records. It's not yeah. like there's not someone who just points out and is easy to pick. So uh, maybe the most chaos we're going to see for competition is amongst teams that just don't look that great from the out-of-conference schedule. So If you make me bet, I'll say St. Francis, though. St. Yeah, Francis. But would you feel Red confident Flash. in them? It, to win that conference? Eh, moderately, yeah. Okay. More, ah. more, um, more confident betting on St. Francis than you would maybe Mercer. Yes, because I Ooh. think there are four teams in the SoCon that could win that bid at this point. Mm. If you I'll look, disagree I mean, with that one, and the only reason I say that is because St. Francis has actually looked pretty good. So they smoked Wagner like they should, but then they right. their losses are to Richmond by ten, and FBS Akron in overtime. Yeah. So I just see them as a step above everybody else. I mean, Sacred Heart won that thing last year, and they just lost to, gosh, somebody in the MEAC. This yeah, they Morgan lost to Morgan State, but then they went toe-to-toe with, uh, who'd they go? Was it Lafayette or something like that? Which that's not great by any standard, but yeah, it's going to be fun. But I went a different direction to, you know, prop it's it up. I direction. think the two, two really bad conferences, you go, who knows? Man, it's going to be absolute chaos. And I just pulled a 180 for further, uh, for a change in the podcast. I just edited some things. So, but we'll save that mystery for five, 10 minutes from now. All right, guys, 
Dustin Helton, the Rev. His question, SIU. What the hell? What the hell, Southern Illinois? We don't know what to think about you anymore. And we're just all confused. So, Jamie, you're rocking the Southern Illinois shirt. Jeremiah Rash is having a good time after a huge upset win. If you're watching on YouTube, it's a screenshot of them defeating Northwestern as our background tonight. The Salukis, Jamie, back from the dead after being on our Titanic of 0-2 teams last week. What's up with SIU? What are we supposed to think about this team? I'm still not sure what to think, but I think they're still uh, probably a mid to upper valley team. I mean, they got whipped by Incarnate Word, who I think we've we've beat that horse about how good Incarnate Word is. Then they lost a rivalry game. And, you know, you could probably point to a couple of uh, late pass interference calls that that they would say cost them the game. And, And I know I don't really buy into that. There's 60 minutes in the game, make a play at another point in the game. Um, I always say that, but at the same time, towards the end of the game, in these pivotal moments when you have a fourth down stop and there's a call that you feel is ticky-tack, okay, I'll, I'll give you a little complaint, but you still lost the game. But I think they showed a lot of fortitude to bounce back, go up to Northwestern and win that game because they were ahead. The Northwestern battled back and you figure, okay, they're just going to score another few uh, points and, and win the game. But no, the Salukis scored they held on so we'll see if this is the start of something for them you know could they jump start their season with this we'll we'll see i think it was that they're off this week and then they play north dakota is that what i'm seeing so yeah they'll they actually this week yep they'll actually be playing the fighting hawks this week this week okay backup. and they get them at home yep. so we're gonna find out real quick because they're gonna have that test so is it a one time they just got up for the FBS game and then they're just going to be middling or, or is it going to start something for them? I, I'm interested to see that over the next few weeks. Yeah, that's a huge matchup with North Dakota going to Southern Illinois, which especially with UND winning at NAU, which was an intriguing one-on-one versus one-on-one matchup. But you look at their schedule, and we've got it pulled up here on YouTube, is, I mean, it's no joke. They're going to host North Dakota. Then two weeks after that, they'll probably beat Illinois State, and then they're going to go to Missouri State which is a huge matchup. They're going to go to USD, who people were high on at the time. Um, Northern Iowa, they're down. But then they got to play North Dakota State and host them. They end with Youngstown. I mean, that's a lot of competition, and they already are 0-2. So in terms of getting in the playoffs, man, you better have some wins there because you lose to Missouri State, let's say UND, NDSU, and that's five losses. Oh, you you could be looking outside uh, for a playoff bubble. Kyler, do you have regained hope now in Southern Illinois? You had some faith that they were going to win this game. Yeah, um, I actually bet on them to win this game. So just because I give your team crap doesn't mean I don't think your team is decent. Uh, Jeremiah Rash, I just thought that post was way too cool, so I had to do it because it was just hilarious. It looks kind of like the sock. But no, I actually bet on Southern Illinois to win this game. I mean, when I was looking at Northwestern play this I mean, they beat Nebraska. Who hasn't beat Nebraska? Nebraska looks really bad this year. But I don't think Halinski has looked that great this season. Um, and that's the quarterback for Northwestern. I, I don't think Northwestern some powerhouse. So when I was looking at all the lines and seeing which one made sense, I bet on Southern Illinois. I thought um, they had a really good chance to not. And I didn't bet them just to cover. I bet them to win. I thought they had a pretty solid chance to win this game. But yeah, the rest of their schedule, man, I'm not putting Southern Illinois in my top 25. Other people are. As of right now, you're still 0-2 versus the FCS. 
And one of those games did not look pretty. The other one was a close game versus a, a really good rival, right? SEMO may be better than what we all imagined. We'll have to wait to see when they play uh, UT Martin in the OVC. But um, still not in my top 25. But, I mean, if you beat North Dakota, if you beat Illinois State, and you're now 3-2 and two going to that Missouri State game, that's huge. If you win that game, you're probably in the playoffs. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, guys. I had faith in you, even though I posted that funny sock picture. Um, I <laughs> the had sock faith in hilarious, you. though. The sock yeah, Loki. it was perfect. It was perfect. Awesome. I had to do it. Now, think... the one thing I will say is, screw you, Villanova, because I bet on a parlay with also Southern Illinois and Villanova, and that one did not work out. So thanks a lot, Villanova. You looked bad. But yeah, Southern Illinois, congrats. It was a fun game. Really good win um, against you know a Big Ten team. So yeah, it was fun. But I, it doesn't change my opinion on who they are this year. They got a lot of talent. Could be up, could be down. Probably middle of the pack in the Missouri Valley, which middle of the pack in the Missouri Valley is typically pretty good. So, um, yeah, it'll be fun to see. Uh, Northwestern loses. The house wins on Kyler's parlay bet. Sorry about that, buddy. Yeah, freaking um, Nova. Speaking of winning, a uh, team that's done quite a bit of it last year and still doing pretty well this year, uh, Mr. Corey Bleak and Bufford Weasel have to ask us, is Montana State's defense really as bad as we saw against Oregon State, Oregon State, however you want to say it? How bad is Montana State's defense? They forced zero punts against Oregon State, not one. OSU scored on every possession uh, except for the one where they missed a field goal, says Corey. And Bufford actually thinks that there could be a quarterback controversy brewing here with MSU Sean Chambers had three rushing scores. Is he possibly closing in on Tommy touchdown as QB one in Bozeman uh, could be interesting. Jamie shaking your head on that one, but Kyler, I'm going to defer to you first as you are our main big sky guy. What do you think about Montana state overall? Take this as an overall question. Um, feel free to answer the Tommy touchdown thing, but like we were not high on Montana state as the preseason polls showed. Mm-mm. What are you thinking about them now as they enter conference play and seeing your Eagles on Saturday? Nothing's changed in in my opinion on Montana State besides they're even just battling insane injuries. They're rushing with a with a wide receiver in some cases, right? They had a a, a running back wearing number 83 last week. So I mean, if that doesn't show you kind of what's happening with that program, it's it's unfortunate. Uh to answer this guy's question though, is their defense really that bad? No, stop stop just judging it off of one power five team who's Oregon state looks to be really good this year, right? They look to be pretty decent. If you're just thinking, Oh my God, their defense is horrible because Oregon state did whatever they wanted to them. Guess what? If you're asking that question, Oregon state probably could do the same thing to you. Um, <laughs> just being honest. But the second part of the question, Malat, man, it's, he hasn't looked great, but this is more to what we were all. I think all of us were kind of expecting this offseason, you get more film on him. He wasn't the best thrower. He was a 50-50 thrower last year when he was playing and having this tremendous run in the playoffs, but he was also throwing the ball to Lance McCutcheon, who we saw dominate in the NFL preseason. He was catching over every NFL DB. If you're throwing 50-50 balls to Lance McCutcheon in the big sky, you're probably going to get some catches. Um, But overall, I mean, his running game still looks how it did. He can use his legs. Didn't look like the injury really affected his running game. He had 150-something yards against Oregon State. Just the issue with this game is they couldn't take a lot of time off the clock because they don't have a running back right now. Four-string running back, Afonso's gone. 
the other kid's gone who was a freshman and torched McNeese. They're, you're not going to win a power five game or, or be competitive if you're on your four string running back. And then you lose three really stud defensive players. I mean, we just saw Troy Anderson today block an amazing punt for a safety against the Rams. That was pretty cool to watch. Troy Anderson had a big day. Um, but yeah, they're about what I thought. I thought Montana was the best team in the big sky. I thought Weaver state was the next best team. And I thought Montana would be right up there with Sac State, UC Davis, Eastern Washington, all comparable, but that next tier down. And it looks like that's potentially what they are, um, especially without those running backs. So um, yeah, nothing's changed in my opinion. They're about the same. Yeah. Lots of injuries, lots of outside factors. And it's possible that these Pac-12 teams that weren't good last year through transfer portal, coach changes and other factors, and development are just good this year. They're so, winning the Big um, Ten matchups. They're yeah. seven and one versus the Mountain West, which the Mountain West was winning last year versus them. Yeah, they're playing well. Yeah, Alabama may win it every year, but you know, playoffs always look similar. But it's possible that in the middle tier, things do rotate and change. Jamie, any thoughts here on Montana State? Yeah, I mean, they are what they thought we were. I mean, <laughs> they're a team that's that's going to wind up in that. They're still probably a top 10 team, but they're not a top three team. Mm-hmm. They're they're a semifinals, if everything goes right, team. I, I think this podcast has, has been saying that, led by, uh, obviously, Kyler, um, you know, as the big sky guy. We're going to take put more stock into what, what he says there, and that's what he's been saying. And I kind of thought it, and kind of he's always – he's validated my thoughts. Uh, to the second part of the question, though, no, I don't think Chambers is – anywhere close to taking the reins chambers only still had what 30 something yards rushing yeah he scored three times but he had 35 yards rushing he didn't throw a pass so how could he be gaining on the number one job even if tommy malat was 50 percent? so I, I think it's a long way to go before you say that malat goes to the bench but he is again what we thought he was he doesn't have a stud guy that's going to go win his 50 50 balls more times than not so that's 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 where we are with them and they got a test this week. We'll see how they if they pass or fail. Be interesting to see how the Bobcats keep rolling. It will also be interesting to see on our last Big 7 question here from Mr. Chris Matthews, an amazing Austin P fan. He wants to know, at the moment, who is the best A-Sun team? And I'm going to pull up the A-Sun standings here on YouTube because this is a very, very intriguing question. We thought, uh, most preseason voters thought they had it figured out, especially with Kennesaw State. A lot of us thought of them as could be a semifinal team. Started the season 0-2, sit at the bottom after out-of-conference play. Austin P, Jacksonville State, Eastern Kentucky, all with only one loss. Then you got UCA and North Alabama trailing them at 1-2. and two. When you look at this, Jamie Williams, what do you think, man? You said you had a little bit more praise for uh, Chris's Austin P Govs. And obviously, I picked them for a good, impressive out-of-conference schedule. Who's the best team right now, or do we just not know? Uh, I think we're going to find out this week. I think right now it might be Eastern Kentucky by a hair. But this week's results going to tell us which of those two teams is the best. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to table that that answer till uh, Saturday Saturday night, and then we can, we can almost definitively say it, in my opinion. Um, with Kennesaw being probably down. I mean, you've seen what the triple option looks like this year. North Alabama's not that good. Central Arkansas, they they could be a team that, you know, throws a wrench into something. 
Jacksonville State, they're ineligible, but <laughs> you got smoked by Tulsa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's coming up. It's coming up in the questions. Oh, man. So, uh, yeah, I, I think the winner of uh, this week will uh, obviously be in the catbird seat, and uh, you know, then we'll we'll talk then. I still think it's Jacksonville State. I know they, they're ineligible and stuff, but I think they're the best team in the A-Sun right now. I think they've got the best talent, and I think that their coaches – having the team way more prepared than in the past. So I do like Jacksonville state, despite what happened to Tulsa. I know they're ineligible. Uh, yeah. Outside of them though, talk about it's a small conference and you know, I'm still unsure. I Kennesaw could still win it. The idea that Kennesaw is just dead in the water is crazy to me because they have shown that they can still win games within the conference. Uh, Kyler, what do you think when you look at the a sun dude? It's interesting. And I don't, if I was able to pick anyone, yeah, Jacksonville State's probably the best in the conference, but I'm not picking them because they're not eligible. So this is an FCS podcast. They're FCS adjacent. So um, when I'm looking at Austin P and Eastern Kentucky and even Kennesaw, here's the difference. Eastern Kentucky still has not beat an FCS team who's won a game. Austin P has still not beat an FCS team who's beat another FCS team. They've played really bad FCS teams. Now, the difference is Eastern Kentucky at least beat Bowling Green, who looked really bad until they just beat Marshall. And then you're like, what the hell? Maybe the Sun Belt's not that great. Uh, maybe maybe just they had that once-in-a-lifetime opportunity upsetting some monster, you know, P5 program like what happens in the FCS sometimes. But if I had to pick a team that I think is just better as of right now, I think I'd lean toward, towards Eastern Kentucky. Um, Austin P did look really good against Western um, Kentucky, right? Yeah, Western Kentucky, and then they played Presbyterian, which I get you won like 63-0, to zero, but everyone beats Presbyterian 63-0. to zero. Um, So, yeah, it, it's just going to be interesting, but I, I don't disagree with Matt's assessment that Kennesaw is completely out of it. I don't think they are. You know, they played Sanford. Out of all of the other programs in the A-Sun, they're the only one who's played a good other FCS team in Sanford, potentially. But yeah, I, I think EKU looks to be the part right now just because I think they have played tougher, tougher competition than Austin P. Um, and they have that Bowling Green win in a fantastic nine overtime, 200 overtime game, whatever it was. But yeah, the A-Sun's going to be fun to watch. I think it's still a three-horse race. A-Sun is going to be fun all the way into the sunset and horizon. We'll have to see who comes out as the conference winner. And that... It does end our big seven gentlemen. We have some awesome, amazing quick hit questions, but first we have to go into our new segment. I am tracking these our taco bets with Brian Thompson. So that is going to be the next thing we got to do. Did bet. I win a bet? Uh, well, we don't know because Illinois nah. state season isn't over, but you got halfway there based off. I'm halfway there. Bet. I think I'm going to beat you guys on that one. Uh, we will have to see. Let's bet on some tacos, gents. It's time to put your money where your mouth is. And if you're right, put some tacos in there too. This is Thompson's taco bets. Okay. I legitimately for this taco bet segment, uh, I moved a Missouri state question, which was going to set this segment up down back into quick hits because of exactly what we were just talking about. Let's switch the taco bet up here a little bit. Let's bet on the NEC auto bid. <laughs> Why not? We had Jack a little bit, Yeah, we had a little debate. So let's put our money where our mouth is. Pull the NEC conference back up, the Northeast Conference, and let's bet 
on the auto bid, the conference winner. I'm going to go with good old Sacred Heart. I think Sacred Heart, despite the fact that they're already on top, they're one and two. They've had some success the last couple of years. So my heart tells me to stick with them. And I Stonehill, despite being 2-0, they're a new, fresh team. I love LIU, the Sharks, but they just have not been able to figure it out. And uh, the bottom looks pretty weak on the out-of-conference. So I'm going to take Sacred Heart. You can bet the same as me. It'll, we'll divide the tacos out evenly. Jamie, what do you think, man? The NEC for a taco bet. Who's going to win it? Yeah, your your heart's very sacred, but their only win is Central Connecticut State, who, guess what, stinks. <laughs> they got shut out by Lafayette and stomped by Morgan State. So I am going to go with the team I mentioned earlier and stick with St. Francis. I just, you know, I think of the teams there, they look the best. I sure do wish they still had Jason Brown at quarterback. He's transferred a couple of times. Uh, then it would be easy runaway because he was an excellent player. But they look pretty good with without him anyway. So I'm going to stay with what I said earlier, say St. Francis for the NEC auto bid. I'm just sure that NEC expert Chris Hammond is going to be upset that he's not here to be a part of this one. <laughs> so good. Kyler, what do you think? you have a different pick or are you going to join one of us? I'm not here to take part. I'm here to take over. Uh, little oh. Connor McGregor line. I'm not going to pick any teams that you guys are because that's just a cop out. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick Duquesne. Um, here's kind of the reason. Duquesne, they played Florida State and got absolutely crushed. Then they played Youngstown State, who people are starting to give top 25 votes for. And they actually played them tough until about halfway through the fourth. It was still anyone's game with Duquesne and uh, Youngstown State. And then they just played Hawaii at Hawaii. who That's a long travel day. They just played them tough. They only lost by like 10. Um, as of right now, I still like Duquesne's chances. They play Stonehill next, then Merrimack, then Central Connecticut, Long Island. They don't play the two tougher games till their last three games on the season. So if they can get rolling, I like the shot for Duquesne coming from the – we started from the bottom, now we're here. Give me Duquesne. Dang. Got to have a Dukes right. in the playoffs, huh? Got 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 to have a Dukes. Three different picks, six tacos now on the line. We're going to keep them going. I have the tracker, as you can see, if you're looking at my camera. There it is in the iPhone notes. We are tracking tacos, Mr. Brian Thompson. A fun new segment here on the page. All right, lots of fun, guys. And just as fun are our quick hit questions. Just because your question is answered quickly doesn't mean we don't care. These are the quick hit questions of the week. Oh, Adam Peterson, how the uh, mighty have not fallen as we start quick kick questions with Adam Peterson giving me, I don't think I can call it a shout out. I have to call it a call out, I think. And uh, as of course, with the taco bets, I said that the Redbirds were not going to win more than two games the rest of the season. And then they win this week. He says, Matt Frazee, you want to change your win total for the Redbirds? Defense caused five turnovers with two pick sixes. I can't do it, Adam. I got tacos on the line. I got to stay faithful to my bet. So, uh, nope, y'all, you're going to win one more, and that's it. And then I'm going to eat some tacos. But if I'm wrong, you're wrong. I'm wrong. And that will be because that was their only win. Yeah. You you are a great fan, Adam, of your team. And I will be happy for you, even if I have to buy tacos for these yahoos over here. Um, All right, Jamie, you poked fun there at Brandon Owens a little bit about Jacksonville State losing to Tulsa. Uh, Brandon Owens wants to know, JSU is getting ready for the FBS. Was yesterday's performance against Tulsa just outright bad or good indication of what is to come? Um, and this is interesting. Versus Sports Simulator, the official page is actually now a member and authorized to post on our Facebook page, which is great. We're happy to have them. 
And I'm going to share on the screen here, actually, their simulation for Jacksonville State next year. And kind of, Jamie, just give us your overall thoughts on what you, how you think the Gamecocks will do next year in CUSA since you are a FBS kind of guy. Yeah, so this doesn't count for me having to put it to the bucket because somebody asked the question about FBS. So I'll go ahead and talk about it, I guess. But yeah, I, I mean, I think they're gonna they're probably going to struggle for a couple of years. Uh, I still think they're in better shape than Sam Houston. They're not in as good a shape as JMU, obviously. Um, but uh, that versus simulator is probably about what they're looking at. And Ooh, that's okay. That's okay to start. You know, you got to start somewhere. I think they're in the mid-70s in scholarships. You can get to 85, and it's going to take a couple years. But, you know, that's probably about where they are. And it's one of those wait and see what they look like in three or four years. Are they still a 2-9 and nine team, or have they progressed to a 6-5 and five team? But the Conference USA is a fairly weak conference com- comparable to the other. I mean, look at some of those teams. That's pretty bad. Yeah, there, NDS, there's not NDS, one you, team in that conference that would win the big three. No. Yeah, and NDSU will be in CUSA next year too, so that'll be super interesting when they are desperate for a tenth team. No, just kidding, just kidding, folks. Here's, but here's if, the deal. Are oh, you? Doing, you go. Oh no, I was just gonna say uh, for folks who aren't looking out on the screen, uh, Jacksonville State, the Versus Sports Simulator has them projected record next year of two and nine, best case record four and seven, worst case one and ten, with only three swing games. So. Projected to do pretty rough out of the CUSA against some of their competitions. So, um, Kyler, I'll give you a few seconds here. You seem like you disagree a little bit. Yeah, versus simulator, I prop you guys up a lot. This one, big miss. I'll have a taco bet with you. Um, Conference USA is trash. Jacksonville <laughs> State's going to come in there and instantly be a top half team. Oh. They're, they're, yeah, Conference USA is really, really bad. I would be very shocked if they lost to some of those teams. They have them using a UTEP. <laughs> Yeah, no. Uh, give me Jacksonville State at least five wins our first season. We're gonna have so many tacos by the time this uh, entire season. Well, no, this is with this is with versus simulator. We're this having a versus. bet. I will buy you a taco versus you give me free access. <laughs> we do love the work that they put in. It's awesome. Uh, Kyler, right back to you, man. Um, Jeremiah Rash from Southern Illinois wants to know when Kyler makes fun of your team, should you just bet big on them to win the next game? Dang, that's what I go. did. Oh yeah, I got big on them. Did. Yeah, you did. Well, you're thinking this is a dig, Jeremiah Rash. I did exactly what you just <laughs> told me to do. Um, so obviously, I need to start making fun of more teams then because it's worked in. Um, I've always given Villanova props, but you know what? You suck, Villanova. You're horrible. I hate you. You're trash. I'm gonna bet big on them tomorrow. And cost you a little bit of change. All right, guys, next question here. Dustin Perman. Dustin, I saw we had already turned off commenting for our questions, so you posted individually on the page. I love the dedication, so of course I'm going to throw you in here. Uh, how many other teams are dealing with major injury issues after this week? SDSU is anywhere from six to seven starters out. I think we kind of covered this one, Dustin. I don't see a lot of injury-destroyed teams in like your top 10 to 15 range right now. Uh, but Montana State's definitely one that's aligned with you guys. Montana State is a team with a lot of expectations and a lot of resolve from last year, but they are dealing with injuries across the board and depth issues as a South Dakota State. So it'll be interesting to see how you guys are able to jump over those barriers over the next couple of weeks, especially with what SDSU and both Montana State have coming up here in Eastern and Missouri State. So uh, running our pick one of the best pan- fans on the f- page, as I can't even talk, Jacob Martinez. 
Uh, with realignment settled, it looks like there's a lot more parity. How many conferences have obvious front runners in your opinion? Kyler, bounce that back off from what you mentioned before in terms of our debate for auto bids being tough. Do you think there's clear front runners in a few of these conferences, especially with all the parity that exists? Yeah, I think there's definitely a few. Um, I kind of disagree with Jamie that I do think Delaware and the CA, they are a major front runner how they're playing right now. I think still you can't bet against Montana or North Dakota State until it's proven otherwise, and no, Arizona didn't prove crap. Um, other than that, I mean, the Pioneer is probably still between a San Diego and a, and a Davidson, something like that. But the rest have quite a bit of parity. I mean, you look at the Patriot League right now. Fordham 3-0, Holy Cross 3-0, and Fordham actually has a few CAA wins. Uh, Lehigh, you know, they actually have the only conference win, but don't count out Colgate either. They like to, you know, brush your teeth. Um, Ohio Valley, SEMO, UT Martin, uh, even 10 Tech doesn't look horrible. I mean, they don't look great, but yeah, there's still like outside of maybe three conferences, there's still quite a bit of question marks and maybe not true front runners. So uh, it seems like there is a good amount of parity this year. I don't think it's as much as last year, but it's still super fun. Yeah, it's really fun to watch, and it's going to be great to see who comes out on top in all these things. Uh, Brandon Anderson, guys, wants to know, how much extra padding will USD <laughs> need on Saturday? USD, uh, South Dakota get a host North Dakota State after a loss. Yeah, NDSU typically comes out and puts the woodshed to a team after they've lost a rare game. And uh, USD, in my opinion, you saw it last year against NDSU. NDSU destroyed them when they played, and USD has not started off strong. So I just think NDSU is going to win big again. So the score might not indicate it. might be like a 35-10 to 10 game or something, but NDSU likely is going to beat the Coyotes pretty bad. Expect NDSU to bounce back pretty easy. Uh, Jamie Williams, here it is, was going to be part of our taco bet, but moved into the quick hits. Brian Munez wants to know, is Missouri State overhyped? Between rumors of going FBS the last few years, they had the lead yesterday over Arkansas before losing, paired with rankings and preseason hype. Seems everyone's favoring most every other team except for them. Um, is Missouri State overhyped, or they are who we thought they were? What are you thinking about them right now with uh, their standings? I think they're a really good football team. I don't know that they're overhyped. I think they are anywhere from five to nine. And I think that's where most people have them. I, I think that's okay. And I think they could prove otherwise. I think this week they've got South Dakota state. So they beat South Dakota state, but are they overhyped? Are they the next team that could threaten NDSU? If they get smacked by South Dakota state, then we'll know they're one tier down. Like we kind of think they might be. So I, I don't think there's an overhype there. Yeah, the Bears really, you said it well, it's going to depend on this weekend. Could really, I'm not really sold on them, but if they beat South Dakota State this weekend, there you go. They're going to be moving on up. There's going to be a bunch of Bears in the top three. All right, Chris Hammond wants to know, guys, one of our last two questions here. What are your thoughts on pumpkin spice lattes? Of course, we haven't had a lot of random questions this year. We will answer any random question you guys throw at us. And Chris wants to know, what are our thoughts as we enter the October season? Chris, I'm a huge fan of Halloween. I love horror movies. I love scary movies. Not a pumpkin spice latte guy, though. Just can't do it. And I am the Willy Wonka of coffee. It's not even real coffee what I drink. It's filled with sugar and cream, and it's basically candy, but just not a pumpkin spice latte guy. Kyler, you like to sip on those, or you kind of steer clear? 
No, I'm more of a caramel macchiato kind of guy. Or, there you, or, you go. Know, white mocha, something like that. Yes. But I thought my wife would have been a pumpkin spice girl. So I went to Dutch Bros the other day. I bought this brand new pumpkin brulee cream. It looked fancy. It was white foam on the top. I brought it to her. She took one sip and went, what the f- is this? Uh, and she spit <laughs> it out. So um, even she is not. So nope, no pumpkin spice in our home. Just give us pumpkin pie, maybe pumpkin cookies, but don't put it in our coffee. Yeah, Kyler, we could drink. Uh, we go to Starbucks and get the same sort of stuff. Jamie, what go. do you think, man? Um, if you, Jamie's got to be a black coffee drinker, just like dark right no, out of the coffee pumpkin. pot. He 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 watches he? Charlie Brown's Pumpkin Miracle or whatever that is every morning, starting October first, and he goes and get his pumpkin spice latte, oh, his pumpkin no, pop tart. I know this. He's Ron. Sw- I think he's like Ron Swanson. I don't. He just old get this school turkey coffee. bacon out of here. All right, Jamie. Old- the what only do you think? pumpkin product I like are roasted pumpkin seeds. Uh, no pumpkin pie, no pumpkin cookies, no pumpkin latte. Hell, I don't even drink coffee. Love that the smell is... of it. Don't like the taste. If I have to have coffee, black with a lot of sugar. Um, but no, no, no pumpkin spice anything for me. My wife, uh, now I'll get her one of those pumpkin spice frappe things every Wednesday. <laughs> but I don't get anything from Starbucks. Who cares? She loves it. She likes the pumpkin spice stuff. She can have all of it that she wants. Uh, I'll eat some roasted pumpkin seeds, but don't give me pumpkin spice crap. <laughs> a literally a true uh, Ron Swanson, if there ever was one, on our podcast is one Jamie Williams. I'll oh take all the bacon. Oh, like how many slices? All, all of the it. bacon. All the bacon. Hundred <laughs> percent. So good. All right, guys, before we get into our game of the week, I actually threw this one in here. So there you go. Matthew Frazy is asking a question. I'm pulling up oh, wow. a screen right now. Sexy beast. That is going to, yeah, good looking guy. A little scrawny, though, for my taste. All right, right here, pulling up the uh, games in week four. I'm wondering what is the most intriguing matchup in week four. If you're watching on YouTube, you guys can see on the screen, there are crazy matchups this yeah, week. Yeah, it's fun. I'm not including SDSU at Missouri State because you can about guess that's our game of the week. But Montana State's going to Eastern. We talked about Incarnate Word in southeastern Louisiana. Weber's at UC Davis. EKU at Austin P. UND at SIU. NDSU at South Dakota. Elon, William, Mary. I mean, there's so many good matchups this week. Uh, I don't really have an answer. I just want to hear your guys's. What's the most intriguing one, Kyler, for you? Well, I'm, I'm going to not cop out and just pick my school. But I, I'm kind of interested in Weber State at UC Davis. Because if you just saw UC Davis this week, they had 11,000 students at the game. Their largest crowd in history, over 15,000 fans at their game. Remember when I said once they hit 15,000, they're going to really start building that 30K seat stadium? If they do this all season, UC Davis to the FBS sooner than later. But I'm excited to see that game because it's it's we saw UC Davis go toe-to-toe with South, South Dakota State. And I was not high on UC Davis this year. I was really high on Weber State. So this is either going to prove me wrong or prove me right. Um, I love this matchup this early in the season. Jamie, who's the most intriguing for you on this list? Just, that is so hard. I could it's like so look hard. in here. There's like five. All of them? <laughs> yeah, pretty much all of them. I mean, there's two that could potentially decide auto bids already. But that's why we've been saying let's wait till this week because there are so many conference games starting. Heck, I might take a trip down 64 and see Elon, William & Mary. You yeah. Never know. But the one I think I'm, I'm interested in, it's because I've been pumping it for a little bit. Western Carolina at Sanford. We're going to see what Sanford is. Because if you remember after Sanford beat Kennesaw, I said, 
I wasn't surprised because of style of play. Mm-hmm. And I also said, Sanford doesn't have a good secondary, and Western Carolina would smoke them. Throw that ball. So I have to pick that one because I have to call myself out and see if I'm going to be right. Unfortunately for Western Carolina, I haven't been very right this year. <laughs> it has not been my year. I am terrible. I need to call Chris Felicka the bear and see if he can give me some help because I've been awful. But I want to see if I'm right about that. So Western Carolina Sanford is going to be a really intriguing game. And it's going to tell me if one of these teams is truly a contender for the SOCON because they very well could be. It's going to be so much fun to watch FCS football. Make sure you got ESPN plus flow, whatever pulled up and multi-screen. Yeah. Don't get flow. Flow sucks. Uh, What doesn't suck is likely our game of the week. This is the matchup you should be paying attention to. This is the FCS Fans Nation Game of the Week. All right, guys, we here we go. Number two, South Dakota State at number five, Missouri State. Rankings accurate as of Sunday, September 18th, subject to change. Two and one are both these squads. Uh, all right, this is a tough one. This is a huge one for the Missouri Valley title for playoff implications and likely seeding implications. I have massive mixed emotions about this game. In my opinion, it's the type of game South Dakota State would lose, honestly. I think it's the type that they would go in and get beat at. I feel like South Dakota State Twitter is like NDSU in the spring season. Not as bad, but it kind of feels like James Madison in the 2018 season. The fan tweets make me already kind of tell there's chinks in the armor, that the armor has some weaknesses. And it was just by following JMU fans and reading NDSU fans where you're like, something's not as right as you thought it should be. So I think there's weaknesses there. However, I have hammered that I think Missouri State has a lot of issues outside of Jason Shelley. And I think those issues come to the forefront. I'm going to pick the bunnies. And only because of Jason Shelley am I going to believe that this is going to be close. So I will take South Dakota State, the same color as my McNeese hat, and I will take them to win this game 31-27. to 27. Pretty epic, cool, close game. I'll take the bunnies in a victory. Jamie, what do you think? Well, I just don't like the way Mark Gronowski's played this year. And South Dakota State has a lot of injuries. And in a nice tight game like this, I'm going to take the better quarterback. And right now it's Jason Shelley. So I think I'm going to call the slight upset and say Missouri State wins. Going to flip your score 31 27, Missouri State. So congratulations to the Bunnies. Man, going to be. <laughs> Jamie's calling himself out already for swinging on predictions. Kyle, yeah, I mean, somebody called the two of you out in the question. So I figured I might as well call myself out. <laughs> now it's equal. All right, Kyler, split the difference. Who's going to be the victor here? Well, I, I've kind of said this with South Dakota State in the preseason. I said their run defense is elite. Their passing defense, their secondary, isn't that amazing. And then all of a sudden they, they played their first couple games pretty decent. But Miles Hastings from UC Davis kind of had a field day. He is not Jason Shelley. And then you, you look at the – not having Tucker Craft, probably the biggest weapon in the FCS in terms of a big body, hard nose, you know, tight end who can get the ball anywhere. I don't know, because Missouri State's offensive line is still really bad. And, and if you are seeing defensively, South Dakota State has a really phenomenal defensive line. They can get to the quarterback. 
but I'm I'm nervous just because of watching UC Davis's Mile Hastings, who is not Jason Shelley, started to really pick South Dakota State apart. I'm gonna go, even though I, I posted today on Twitter that I put Missouri State at number nine or eight because I think every team above them beats them. I think I'm gonna retract my statement. I'm going with Missouri State. Um, because I think SDSU does have some injury problems. I think their secondary is not all what it's cracked out to be, but I wouldn't be surprised seeing this game go either way. It depends on the offensive line from Missouri State. Yeah, give me Missouri State uh, 32-27 to in a weird score. Uh, gonna be We're close on the scoring. We all think it'll be pretty high scoring. Should be a fun matchup. Uh, lots of implications of what this game is going to mean. Week four itself has implications all over the place. And uh, we just thank you guys for joining us as always on the FCS fans nation podcast, amazing questions from our fans and just make sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, on YouTube, make sure you can get your questions answered. We have a lot of engaging content. We've got just like Jamie talked about, we've got fans going to games with each other and checking out people's stadiums and it just makes the whole experience way better. We thank you guys so much for joining us on the podcast and make sure you hit the subscribe button, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and or YouTube. Kyler, you had a heck of a week. You enjoyed seeing a game live of a different squad. Final thought and setting us off, my man. All I know is week four is when SCS football starts getting fantastic. It's been a little lackluster in terms of we didn't really, besides a few teams, we kind of guessed most of them correctly. Now this is where the chaos really can start to happen. So uh, I'm just happy to be back chatting with you guys. It's cooling down, hopefully, in the next few months down south. But yeah, football's back, and chaos is bound to happen. So let's go. Huck it, chuck it, football. Huck it, chuck it, fo football. Hold on to your butts, Jurassic Park style. All right, catch you guys next week. Boom. Thank you for listening to the FCS Fans Nation podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast on your preferred listening platform whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google, or even YouTube. And make sure to follow our FCS Fans Nation social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for listening to the premier podcast for FCS football. Both. We're coming, so just to piss off uh, DeLeon. <laughs>